In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, this is the Better Stuff Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, the news director at Betches. I'm Elise Morales, a comedian and writer of the Betches Sup newsletter. And I'm Millie Tamaris, comedian and sup video contributor. Uh, hello, girls. It's been a minute. It feels like it's been I a know. long time. A whole succession finale, a whole Ted Lasso finale. Oh, my God. The world Don't has changed. Started on the Ted Lasso finale. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Where would you go were you to get started? You know... In a very dark, dark place. <laughs> a dark place. Who knew that Ted Lasso could bring us? It was a, it was an interesting season. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting in that everything interesting happened off camera. And <laughs> 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 that Ding. nothing was resolved. And also, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Ted Lasso never happened for me because mm-hmm. I don't know if I've gone into this on the pod, but because I use Google TV's. Chrome. And Apple TV, this is one of my ministries, Apple TV will not allow me to cast to my TV because they want to force me to buy their TV. This is one of Millie's ministries. They want to yep. force me. I was going to say, you got to go on Subway Takes. Exactly. Subway takes. They want to oh force me to buy their TV and it's I don't want trip. to. So I can't watch Ted Lasso and I can't really watch Severance and I can't watch Schmigadoon, which is a huge Ugh, loss for me. I hate that for As you. a theater nerd, but... I'm not going to give in. Mm-mm. I'm yeah, not going to give in. Don't. The Matrix, once you get in there, you know, then you're seeing everyone, Mr. Anderson. And the, um, but, and I, the, by the Matrix, I mean Apple products. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I don't know if you guys got that. Um, it was just bad yeah. <laughs> this season. So you didn't miss out on this season. The first yeah. two seasons, great. And we could talk offline. There and were just some very things. long. Ep- I saw a tweet and I think it was. Erin Ryan, and I think she was referring to Ted Lasso, where she was like, this season of the show is like a screensaver. And that really like hit with me. It was just like a lot of very warm, lovely vignettes, but not as much like plotting. Okay, but like, I feel like we're allowed to do spoilers for the succession finale. Were we more gratified with that? I thought the succession finale was great. I loved it. I really enjoyed. Oh, you know, I loved it. It was like, it was perfect in that they're all miserable. Yeah. And it ends up like whatever. It was so funny because somebody was asking me that like somebody had just met um, last weekend was like, oh, what are you going to do this weekend? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to have a succession party. And they're like, oh, cool. Where are you succeeding? Like, are you like, <laughs> <she thought, laughs> like going to succeed? Yeah. Like, and then she's like, 
I'll join. What like what are you like like the way that Texas succeeds? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm just gonna make like yeah. funny food and have people over. I think they were so. saying this on Who Weekly recently that like Succession, um, a lot of people watch it. However, it's definitely kind of like overemphasized for very online people like us and our listeners. Whereas like across the country, more people are watching like you know Yellowstone. <laughs> what is Yellowstone? I okay. guess I think it's about I succession it's, vaguely. It's Republican succession. <laughs> That's what like I heard. they're literally What's beginning succession. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's, it's, it's Yellowstone. It's, a, it's real yeah. Republican succession. It's real Republican. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, because because succession Not rhino. is no, but the values and the ethos. There's a really good article on the New York Times about what makes. Uh, Republican TV mm-hmm. and what conservatives prefer. That sounds very cool. And it's really, really about sincerity. They take themselves completely serious. There's no like double meaning. There's no whatever. We're in succession, even though it's about a conservative media company. It's funny. It's serious. It's whatever. But all you have to know about Yellowstone is that the beginning features a 60. I'm going to say Kevin Costner is like in his 60s. A 60-something Kevin Costner yeah. lassoing a fucking <laughs> okay. turnover horse that went like just cowboy fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so Yellowstone yeah. is conservative and then Succession is kind of your rhino Republican. Yeah, I'm like, so Yellowstone is Republican base succession. And <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Max, yes. if you're listening. about the people who are up at the top. I mean, that election episode, it was a couple weeks ago, but like, that's I, that was watch. fucking wild. Was I mean, I'm, we never talked about the podcast, but like, because we can't cover every show, but. Yeah, it was obviously very um, in our lane and just like I had heard people watched and they were like, you feel terrible after like you feel like and I couldn't imagine what that meant. And then just after watching, like seeing how that could absolutely be a scenario like there's nothing stopping that. It's also so uh, interesting to me that like and again, spoiler, whatever, obviously spoilers, but um, it's wild to me that basically Roman took down the American Republic only to shit the bed on the whole thing within <laughs> like at like within one episode, within one week, he come he makes this huge play for himself and then just mm-hmm. loses it mm-hmm. immediately. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. That's why you gotta go to therapy to not mm-hmm. fuck up your own bag. And also I I mean what I think succession does really effectively, which is something that we talk about all the time as like people on this podcast is that as soon as you realize that people, I think that, you know, the way that capitalism works in this country and other stuff and is like power is like when you have this illusion that power and money come from meritocracy or that good people are rich and poor people are lazy and bad people and have no impulse control and have no discipline and good people are the ones that don't wear the Nikes Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. You know, like what this does is showing you the people at the top are fucking miserable. Mm -hmm. They have no impulse control. Men are, you know, men who are so sexist, they won't let a woman ever get anywhere near power are the most emotional, sensitive, have Mm -hmm. no grit, have no things, never been told no, dealing with the first time hearing no in their entire life. Like, it is just like, 
totally crazy to them. And it is, it's just a really good thing that but exemplifies that. I'm the eldest that. boy. But I'm, I'm the, the eldest boy. And boy was not. so good. <laughs> and he's not even the eldest boy, but that's the Connor. thing. And it's just like, <sighs> but it's just like, yeah. Yeah. Like, why would you think that you could be president? I mean, there's, okay. And then my final thing is like, there is a psychologist that uh, like a doctor that's that specializes in narcissism studies and she goes episode by episode breakdown and shows you the different colors of narcissism mm. there's grandiose narcissism there's vulnerable narcissism which is kendall and she just breaks it down and it helps you understand like wow like you can still be a narcissist and pretend that you have feel whatever anyway. yeah Exactly. So anyway, Ugh. fuck. Well, you know, great yeah, show if I you haven't heard great. of it. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Highly recommend Succession. <laughs> Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Speaking of, uh, of unnecessarily, of, of extremely high numbers of money and uh, <laughs> and demonizing the poor, let's let's start with our number. Today's number is thirty two trillion, because that is uh, the United States currently has about thirty two trillion dollars in debt, which is about ninety five thousand dollars a person. I learned today. That's crazy. I, I feel better Ooh. about like my own. <laughs> Small I know. I'm like, I feel better about my Capital One card right now. <laughs> yeah, it's creeping um, up, but just one card. <laughs> I'm just like uh, I, I, me and Elisa are having a very uh, frank and candid discussion about credit card debt before this podcast, and I'm not going to say if it's ninety five thousand dollars per milli, but it ain't far. <laughs> Well, I mean, like the government, you can just keep taking out money. That is the idea. Well, the, that is the idea. Balance because, transfer. Yeah. Fortunately, it looks like uh, we and hopefully you can keep can keep taking out money that we don't have. Today marks the end of a very challenging time for us. The months during which I start all of my group chats to you two with, ugh, the debt ceiling is boring, but I think we need to talk about it. This has been going on since like February. It's been the main. Yep. Finally, this is winding down. These debt ceiling fights, you know, they always... They do always end up with an agreement, but they provide, you know, a rare opportunity for Republicans especially to rail against any and all government spending. They're like, look at this crazy debt and deficit, even though, you know, they're voting on things that 
it, it, it addresses spending they've already authorized. It's checks they've already promised to write, but they use this as an opportunity. They have all this leverage with the specter of default to try to get some concessions. And in the past, they have wrestled some pretty serious concessions from Democratic presidents. I think um, you know, Obama was not, nobody was happy with the 2011 outcome. It looked terrible for everybody. But, you know, as the GOP has become increasingly detached from reality, I feel like these debt ceiling fights have become a little scarier because we've seen what they'll do. They they have let terrible things happen. And it's not beyond the scope of feasibility that they would let the nation default on its debt. You know, hearing things like 3 million people would lose their jobs. I mean, that doesn't mean a lot to some of these people. I mean, more Democrats in the House voted for this than Republicans did. Yeah, so again, like we do have like there is a strong contingent of Republicans who would let the Absolutely. U.S. default on its debt, which is wild. The one kind of good thing that I think was in this is that they raised it through 2025. So we're not doing this again for at least at least until after the next presidential elections i know i know you know listen (laughs) and you know what we're gonna blink and it's gonna be 2025 already i know i know it's like not even that i mean i think my personal thing is i'm like we should get rid of this and just be like you have to it makes no sense that we have it's not necessary yeah but i do think it's interesting that one of the things they negotiated was like yeah, we're not doing this again. And I think part of the reason a Kevin McCarthy would do that is because his caucus is actually insane. Mm-hmm. And many of them actually voted no on this. I mean, some progressives voted no on it, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like... And obviously but, for very different reasons. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and mm-hmm. also, yeah, Kevin McCarthy doesn't want to do this 15 times mm-hmm. as no. as he as he's known to do. Um, and yeah, I mean... As we always say, you know, as we, I mean me, the royal we, uh, because I'm a queen. No, but it's just as her highness always says, as my highness, yes. Um, Republic, yeah, Republicans don't give a shit. They're getting crazier and crazier. We need, like, what I would love in my heart of hearts Mm -hmm. is for the Democrats to start fucking playing offense. And yeah. don't let the, you yeah. know, we can't This is what let Caitlin them. has been writing in her blogs all week. It's just yeah. like, make them take responsibility for it. Do the constitutional amendment. Make the courts, make the courts say, okay, uh, we're going to default. And so last night, Congress did approve a deal to avert breaching the debt ceiling. As we said, we need to borrow more money in order to spend on things we already promised Americans via legislation, things like Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, Social Security, you know, everything. In terms of the partisan breakdown for last night's vote, like Elise said, a majority of Democrats and a majority of Republicans voted yes on what's called the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023. But more Democrats than Republicans voted in support of the bill, which more or less, you know, mirrored each party's kind of public response after the details were revealed over the weekend. We'll get to some of the details shortly, but, you know, first kind of want to talk about the the negotiations. We saw members on both sides of the aisle react to compromises from the two main leaders here in the negotiations, which are Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy. I've really enjoyed watching the reactions from either side because what kind of what what sort of critiques stood out to you? Well, I just thought I just think it's really funny. Like Republicans have gone really the ones that are against this have gone so hard against it, which is very interesting to me because I feel like they very easily could have spun this as an enormous win for them. Like Joe Biden said, I'm not going to negotiate at all. And he ended up negotiating with them on some stuff. You know, we'll, we'll get into the details, but they got some shit they wanted, not everything. But they could have been like, 
we did it. We forced Joe Biden to negotiate. But instead, I think it was Chip Roy from Texas, like immediately tweeted it out that he was like a turd burger. (laughs) Like someone called it a turd. Marjorie Taylor Greene called it a shit sandwich. Like (laughs) they've been saying such like mean shit about it. And I'm like, you guys. It feels very Roman Roy to me. I'm like, yep. you guys mm-hmm. fumbled your fucking bag because if you had all just agreed to be like, okay, you know what? Obviously, we weren't going to get every single thing we wanted, but we literally forced the president of the United States to the table and did get him to agree to stuff when he had been saying for months, I will not negotiate. Yeah. They're acting like Democrats about it, like not taking enough. Like normally it's us who are like, oh, so, you know, it was kind of a compromise. So, like, Normally, we're not good enough at, like, yeah. taking advantage of the wins, yeah. and they're really good at exploiting the very minor, minor things. So that's such an interesting thing to point out, that you have Marjorie Taylor Greene, you have Laura Bobert, you have Nancy Mace, who's a little bit more moderate, saying that, like, we got outsmarted by a president who can't find his pants, which I didn't know what that was a reference to. I guess it's just a sleepy Joe Did Joe Biden... But also, I'm just, never lost his pants. Sense. I fact checked it. Uh, Apparently, yeah, I was one like, time, Joe Biden was lost like, his pants. Not to my knowledge. I mean, there was a, a doctored picture of them on backwards, which was disproven. Uh, I mean, look, lo- for the sake of vulnerability on this podcast with the listeners, sometimes in the middle of the day after a long day, I take a pee and then I see, wow, my underwear has been inside out all day. <laughs> Uh, so listen, I'm not going to comment on whether Joe, but you know, so if I was 85, that's that's a fucking feat. Also, I'll just say this, you know, for all the things we criticize Republicans for, Republicans are better at reactionary and the social media of, of it all. But the thing is to be a really good social media person and figure means that you are cannot be a good politician. Mm. Be, like, those things do not over... I mean, AOC is, like, whatever, like, kind of disproven that. But I'm just saying, like... A good, like, actual lawmaker, yeah. The, the strategy of Republicans is to always complain, to always bitch, anti-establishment, all this stuff, even when they aren't the establishment, even when they do benefit from all this shit. So... I'm not surprised that they're complaining and saying shit sandwich and blah, blah, blah bullshit because that's all they fucking know how to do. It's like fucking going to a Mariah Carey song, a fucking Mariah Carey concert, and all she's singing is always be my baby. And you're like, but you have more songs. You have a whole catalog. You can do other shit. You're a pop star. And it's like, nope, I'm going to do this one fucking song because it's my biggest, most dynamic hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I. I feel like I want to follow Millie's lead and be vulnerable here and say that I um, I was struggling for a while with accidentally putting my pajama pants on backwards. And this was happening kind of often. It's really brave and of you to Danny, share. My husband was making fun of me. And since I cut back on weed smoking, I have kind of stopped that. So I will just put it out there. If Joe Biden or anyone on the Biden team is listening, I think some of them do. If you cut back on weed smoking during the week, you might – be able to find your pants. Yeah, absolutely. And you should. I mean, <laughs> he's doing an excellent job hiding that yeah, from the federal like- employees who can't smoke weed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he went out for ice cream yesterday to celebrate. That was cute. That's very sweet. So, That's very so, yeah. old man of him. Exactly. <laughs> and, wait, did him and his wife get the same fucking scoop of ice cream? That, right? <laughs> oh. So some what of the flavor big issues- did they get? 
What flavor? I don't know what he gets. Yeah, they shared a single April spritz like Mary Lou and Jason Oppenheim. Okay. (laughs) Some of the big issues for Democrats with the bill, because like we said, you know, there were, you know, the the Joe Bidens and Kevin McCarthy's and the, you know, the, the top leaders and the people whose job it is to sort of be in lockstep on the message all claim to be victors. Joe Biden has said multiple times, he has defined uh, the word compromise for us multiple times over the past couple of days saying, you know, this is a compromise, which means not everybody gets what they want. Kevin McCarthy has cited some of these things as like historic savings, which to the extent that is accurate, I imagine it's because of inflation or just like very minor sort of like accounting things. It kind of sounds like Shalanda Young in the Office of Management and Budget is definitely sort of the hero here because a lot of it seems like a lot of sort of accounting maneuvers that sort of look like we're spending less, but really it's placing not a lot of limits on what we can spend. But some of the big issues for Democrats with the bill were provisions that require work work requirements to access food assistance for non-disabled people without children under the age of 54. And you saw a lot this week of Republicans especially saying, you know, people feel better when they work. They feel more valuable when they work. I want to remind people, we're talking about food. We're talking about if we (laughs) think people in this nation and maybe, you know, maybe not. I understand not everybody in the same in this country is on the same page about whether human beings are entitled to access to life sustaining nourishment. I personally, I think a lot of us do fall in the camp of, yes, it's fucking food. It's food. You don't have to do shit. I don't think you have to do shit to get food. You'll die without food. First of all, the work requirements to access food assistance for non-disabled people without children under the age of 54 reminds me of Kamala Harris's uh, must own a a business for three years in a low-income neighborhood in order to get, yeah. So there's that. Second of all, like one of the, at least as someone who has been under 54, not working and non-disabled, um, Sometimes you're just fucking unemployed and you're trying your fucking best and you're you get unemployment and honestly unemployment insurance has been really great in like helping me get that like take some time to find a better opportunity for myself and one of the like the weights lifted off your shoulder is that you do qualify for food stamps when you're on unemployment so and you qualify for medicare so you're like look i don't have a job i'm getting very little money from the government but at least i don't have to worry about food and at least i don't have to worry about medical bills and to have this work requirement is like the fucks up a whole segment of people who are probably very far away from anyone who's voted on this honestly totally because these people haven't been you know a lot of our lawmakers haven't had kids in a lot of years they haven't been unemployed in a lot of years some of them most of them should be unemployed like they're like okay whatever this is like this invisible segment of people Mm -hmm. that you know is not going to get affected or this and that and it's just like it's fucking food we have it it's to placate people it's just it's just whack yeah i just i i agree and i just feel like again that we live in quote unquote the richest country in the world it's just ridiculous to say we would withhold food from anyone i don't really care if they're actually lazy which i don't yeah. think I don't think that the fact that someone is not working and is receiving SNAP benefits means that they're lazy by any means. There are so many different factors that go into why someone is unemployed, unable to work, whatever. And I know there's like carve outs for veterans, people who are experiencing homelessness, disabled people and stuff. But either way, like I think that the actual 
I think if you actually looked into people receiving SNAP benefits, you would find that they are not lazy. But even if they were lazy, even if it was the laziest person I've ever seen, I just think they should have food. Yeah. I mean, we think they should have somewhere to live. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. I think that. they should even be able to see a doctor. Oh, Sue well, me. At least, Sue at me. Least. I think a lazy person should be allowed to see a doctor. Wow. 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 I don't think they should die. Wow. Radical, <laughs> radical, radical, radical. And that leftist. is why, that is why Millie is performing Marxism. tonight for the Democratic, <laughs> for the Socialist, Democratic of Socialist of America. I'm so pissed I can't go. That's going to be so fun. Yeah. Well, you know, it won't be the last. It wasn't, Good. Okay. It's not the first and it won't be the last. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, the, radical of you. Yeah. The other thing about this provision is, you know, we've said it before, the famous headline, the cruelty is the point. They are like Elise said, they loosened provisions on these benefits for veterans and some unhoused people and I think some other groups, which ultimately, even taken with this, you know, able-bodied people under 54, means they ultimately expanded the number of people eligible for these. So if their real goal was cost-saving, the Republicans, they did not achieve that here. So it really is just that really icky thing that a lot of their base believes that if you can't get up your ass and work, then you don't deserve food or if you you won't. And so that just makes it especially icky. It's like they 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 didn't even there was really no practical reason uh, to do that. So another provision I know our audience is really interested in is that the bill deprives Biden of the ability to extend the pause on student loan payments. So just for reference, I think that they had said that they were not going to be able to extend that pause anyway. And of course, the Biden administration said they were going to cancel the loans. That is before the Supreme Court, which is not very encouraging. We will probably get that decision um, sometime this month. It could be pretty soon. And if the Supreme Court rejects Biden's loan forgiveness and he's no longer able to pause the payments, borrowers, it looks like, would be expected to start paying again around late summer. I've read that there might be a way around this. You know, we've talked a lot about how Biden really can't go back on this, um, even if it's not his fault. I mean, to have announced this and for it not to happen. I have, you know, there are people in our DM saying they feel genuinely like betrayed by even this concession. So I've read that there are some ways that he can sort of find a way to announce another emergency separate from the pandemic, just sort of saying that like student debt is an emergency. And that's why we're going to pause these. So hopefully there's a solution there. But you should definitely expect a lot of activity and information around the resumption of these payments this summer. Mm, big it's yikes. just yeah honestly again the concessions that they already did in the first place to cancel student debt again so are, are are already like fucked a lot of people um it's only to pell grant recipients you know which are some of the poorest people or in up to country. 20 for them right up and then 10 for, for up, just up to 10 for everyone else yeah which but exactly like it's just it's already been so many fucking concessions for these people who will, who would do this every week if they could. They do not care. They have no room. You know what I mean? And you're you're literally making a deal with the literal devil, and 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 you fucking make these concessions, and they're calling it a shit sandwich. So it's like, so how are how are you going to get your voters excited? You know, mostly people of color voters excited to vote for you again in 2024. If you didn't fucking get the, we didn't get half the shit. We didn't get a voting rights bill. We didn't get the $15 minimum wage. And we don't, you know what I mean? It, it just doesn't look good. So, you know, it's kind of tough and it's kind of scary because a more progressive president would be a little bit more aggressive with their 
you know, offense on he like likes to protection. negotiate with Republicans. Like, oh yeah, this is what he loves. This is like his complete. You could you could see the the hop in his step to be able to come out and say like the bill was bipartisan. He's got yeah. his pants on backwards. He's hopping around, gleefully. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody got exactly what they wanted. Isn't it great? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. okay, but some of this mm-hmm. stuff is genuinely bad, bad, and I do get that. Like, we're in a real pickle with this Supreme Court because you know I do think he should have canceled more debt, gone harder. But at the end of the day, if the Supreme Court shuts it down i don't know how we get around that kind of a situation unless we have a president that's willing to do something about the supreme court which joe biden would obviously never do anything along those lines that's not he's mr compromise but it is very like it's just very upsetting especially when it comes from people who uh took out covid grants themselves that they didn't need it comes from people like like a lot of these republicans and the people the businessmen behind them got tons of covid relief money and shit uh businesses i mean when they write the tax code like so the tax code is written so that major corporations and billionaires can write off debt, do all kinds of things. It's mm-hmm. how de- it's how Donald Trump like has had every single business of his go bankrupt and yet he's still rich somehow. Like all of that's fine. But when a Pell Grant recipient wants basically like a number to get canceled out, wants $10,000 off mm-hmm. of debt, which is not a lot so that it doesn't become you know 30 in a matter ruin their life Mm -hmm. that's that's socialism that's marxism that's way too far but when we fiddle with the tax code so that companies can do whatever it is that they fucking do buybacks literally yeah exactly that's that's fine that's all good but when it comes to helping people it's always a no. Yeah. And as you were talking, I remembered, you know, that this bill also does claw back some unspent COVID money. It's like, mm-hmm. fine, because you all got your PPP millions. Yeah. That of you course. took out on your fucking boats. You're Devin good. You, Devin Nunez's one, like, got a million dollars for his fucking winery. Mm-hmm. And I will oh never God. forget that. Uh, I hope Kristen Cinema's been there. Oh, my for God. For $8,000 a night, <laughs> dummy. Uh, oh, man. All right. Some very last other notable things. I mean, this is the bill would suspend the debt limit for the fourth quarter of 2025, which means that it's not going to be like a huge election issue. It basically says you can't spend more money next year or the year after than you did this year, unless it's for the military or support veterans. Another really interesting thing is that this gives Joe Manchin a very big gift in exchange for his uh, approval of the climate bill. So this bill approves a West Virginia natural gas pipeline that has had problems getting all of its permits for a while because of a potential environmental impact. This bill is apparently 99 pages and 25 of it are dedicated to approving every single permit. Basically, it's just like no problem. This West Virginia thing can go through there are even I mean, it goes through Virginia too. And Tim Kaine doesn't like it. But it's very I mean, it's very annoying. But Joe Manchin, what a fucking effective lawmaker to get a quarter of a bill to raise the debt ceiling about a West Virginia pipeline. I don't know how he got them like I don't know right? how. Right? Do we get anything he, from him? 
just the, it's like he'd already signed the build. So it's like, we didn't have to follow through on this promise. I'm, I'm very curious, like if that was going to be, also, did we need Joe Manchin? Like, is there going to be no Republicans in the Senate that, I, I don't know. It seems like Joe and Kevin just being like, here's a gift. It's very strange, but it's a considerable part of the bill, which I thought was worth noting. So next, this bill does head to the Senate where, you know, we might see a little bit more drama and posturing from individual lawmakers before it's eventually signed and sent to the president for a signature, which does need to happen by Monday, which is when, you know, the Treasury runs out of money. So hopefully Janet Yellen has a a stocked bar cart for her final weekend just (laughs) living on the edge of her seat. This poor woman. Oh my God! Let's uh, we got to get Janet Yellen a hydrafacial a massage. <laughs> this poor woman has been releasing literally letters every week, being like, "Please, please, write call to in CEOs." Like, just please. letting you know. Oh gosh! Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Janet. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well. Good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, now on to the main news. Happy Pride Month. What a weird Pride Month. I was looking through Pride Month of last year and it was very odd because like a couple days before Pride Month started, I mean, a week before it started was the Supreme Court leak about Dobbs and then about a week later was Uvalde and then during June was the Dobbs decision. So Pride last year felt very kind of overshadowed. And then this year, you know, if, if it feels like there has been an incredible increase in anti-LGBTQ laws, it's because there has. It's not just the rhetoric. According to the ACLU, the number of anti-LGBTQ bills introduced in 2023 is already more than twice the amount introduced in all of 2022. We are only halfway through this year. So far this year, also 556 anti-trans bills has been introduced in state legislators, 556. We've seen other legislation related to the LGBTQ community around like book bans and drag performances too. So it's not just the bans on, you know, gender affirming care and, you know, bathroom bans. 60% of LGBTQ youth who wanted mental health care in 2022 could not receive it. And the need for that care is only going to go up, especially as you're watching your elected lawmakers, you know, basically commit a gen- try to commit a genocide about you. So those are some, you know, numbers for today. But, you know, we and all of you listening, I think, have kept up with this very rapid succession of hateful rhetoric and legislation. The right has really targeted trans children specifically and anyone who helps them. They seem to be their real new target in this culture war. I mean, I say new, but I'm sure for trans people, they have felt this energy forever. People are, you know, there's also just anecdotal reports of political this kind of political exploitation making people feel more comfortable being blatantly homophobic in real life. People are proudly documenting themselves destroying beer cans and target displays. You know, we've talked sort of about what's motivating this as we talk about the legislation. And I think we can kind of focus on that today, but it's like, what is this? Like why, why, why have already twice the number? of anti-gay bills been introduced this year than last. Do you think it has to do with them trying to pivot from the abortion conversation? Is it just they've realized this is a really useful talking point for them? Like, what is motivating this really gross escalation, do you think? I I think that, you know, Republicans, people on the right, are, are just doing what sticks or, you know? And in the past, it's been 
interracial, race relations, pro-police. And as time has gone on, the public conversation has moved on that and shifted. And people have, for the most part, people are like, "Mm, it's not good to be racist or to be whatever. And then for the longest time, they moved from from race to abortion and, or, or no, to gay marriage. And obviously public opinion has moved on that and that they keep shifting and then the abortion conversation even though they have made strides legally and there's a bunch of fucking shitty like repercussions to these things for the most part it's wildly unpopular most people believe in safe abortion for everyone Mm -hmm. for people uh with that being said there is the the trans thing is hitting the anti-trans thing is hitting lgbtq things are hitting you've talked terms- recently about conversations you've had with people like family members or friends that have been surprising to you where they're they're actually like internalizing this information about everyone trying to make everybody trans exactly and it's again it's something that they don't understand it's something that you know honestly is very dangerous for people to transition in most parts of the country So not to say that there aren't trans people all over the country, but I can see why somebody might move to a big city to do that transition or this and that. So it is something that seems a little bit more foreign for people who don't have exposure to this in their daily lives. And, you know, there's so much misinformation and so much, it's just like a a thing. So it's hitting and people, there's a lot of ways in with the parents' rights angle, with the, the kids, all that bullshit. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, too bad that it's like been somewhat effective, but it's only bit, but in my mind, you know, I think that the only way that this hits in this way is because public conversation and perceptions on what it means to be trans and transitioning has changed in a positive way too. You know, we are seeing more representation and all. So this is like that mm-hmm. kind of backlash too. But but with that is this 556 anti-trans rules. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's scary and it's disturbing. I'm real, especially like the stuff around drag as well, because I mean, it's a really old playbook. We've seen it a million times. They're recruiting your kids, which you can't recruit a kid to be gay or trans who wasn't already gay or trans, but okay. Um, But I, what I'm really interested slash nervous to see is how pride parades are going to play out in these States like Tennessee. Like I'm my, I'm, I haven't ever been, but my guess is that Nashville probably had a pretty robust pride Definitely. parade. So it'll be interested to see, you know, the history of pride is that Stonewall was a protest that was started by a black trans woman. So it seems like there it's kind of being forcibly put back into the place of being a protest again, because now you know, in certain places, what's Mm -hmm. been done in the past is not legal. It is not, I don't, I don't have a hundred percent understanding of the Nashville, of the Tennessee law, but 
My understanding is that it's not that's legal the point. for a, a well, yes, for a drag queen to be publicly on a float, right? You're type right. of a situation. If minors if someone, are, yeah, yeah. Any gender non-conforming person, I don't know that they can be on a float. Yeah, like if kids are going to be there, which like it's a fucking parade. So You're right, there's going to be kids yeah. and drag queens on floats. So it is. Um, yeah, you do wonder how that's going to go down. Like, you know, is, is Tennessee Attorney General going to like dispatch, you know? Yeah. Are they going to shut down Pride? Are they going to arrest people? Are they going to – I'm – my guess would be because what I've seen from the drag community, from the trans community, from the gay community is that they're not that – like they're not backing down on their visibility, but it is a lot to ask of people to put themselves – physically on the line for arrest, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever. Uh, the police don't have a great history with the queer community either. Like Stonewall, again, was a riot because the police were raiding a gay bar and treating them horribly. Mm-hmm. And this had been going on for years and years and years. So the New York Times used to post, used to print the names of gay people who were arrested in gay bars in the paper so that you would mm-hmm. be like, wow. Yeah, that's kind of interesting to think about how the Times has been covering trans people now (laughs) in their history of all that. So it's kind of interesting. It's weird to see like history both moving forward and backwards at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just sad because even though it's like cities like Nashville, people come from all over Tennessee to do that. And like the point is, you know, we say the cruelty is the point, but the point is to confuse and to get, just like with abortion where they make all these abortion laws are always oh, the abortion pill harmful, the FDA, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's just to discourage somebody mm-hmm. from, from, Oh, well, you know, I don't even know if it's safe for me, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if I can go to my dad's wedding, you know, or I don't know, you know what I mean? And, and like yeah. push people back in the closet to, to conform into this way that they believe is better, you know, yeah. instead of seeing what's happening and adapting, which I mean, you know, is at core you know, conservative versus liberal. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just too bad. It's just, um, you know, again, people come from all over the, the, like their respective States drive hours to go to a pride parade. It's a stay of like celebration and freedom. And, you know, it's just sad because in a lot of ways that is also like a big part of like being in America, you know, like I just have met so many people, you know, living in New York city and stuff where there are people from Russia or Uganda or something like actually like terribly homophobic places. And they've always seen America as this place of like, you can express and be yourself and, and all of that. And, and it's just sad that that is threatened in some way as a Republican strategy because these people don't want to create policies that actually will benefit their people, like making sure people can eat or go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easier to be like yeah. trans people are using the bathrooms or going to compete against your daughters in sports games. And and like you mentioned, Elise, I mean, I think that the people that are um, amenable to those types of policies and like to hear that. I think they like to hear that these laws were passed, but it will be interesting to see how they react if this happens to, you know, literally arresting drag queens and taking them out floats because that 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 is how that law is supposed to function. So it's like I, I'm curious to see if they actually walk the walk on these or if they just want the like weird, 
the weird cachet among uh, the voters that are looking for that. Next up in main news, we have to talk about Mr. Ken Paxton. We cannot <laughs> let him slip away. Ken Paxton, I'm going to go through these details as quickly as I can. Ken Paxton is the longtime attorney general of Texas. He's also a menace to any Democratic president because he sues every Democratic administration for everything. He's the guy behind attempts to get rid of Obamacare, DACA. He's tried to overturn elections. He's forced the reimposition of the Remain in Mexico part policy. This single guy does a lot of that. This man was impeached by his Republican peers on Saturday. How did we get here? So there's a great episode of The Daily on this. And Bridget, our, my content manager, has been documenting it via Reels on Substagram. She's obsessed with it. So definitely look at those. But general general summary is that this man, Ken Paxton, actually has a long string of legal issues that haven't really surfaced nationally until now, but I think are like known in Texas, Texas politics. These include a 2015 indictment for securities violation and claims he stole a $1,000 like Mont Blanc pen. From somewhere, he's like on camera doing it. He claimed it was a mistake. Most recently, though, Paxson is accused of taking bribes and using the government to pursue favors for a man named Nate Paul a real estate developer under investigation by the FBI. Stay with me here, everybody. Paxton gave Paul access to these FBI files and hired a lawyer for him who was allowed to work at the attorney general's office. This man, Nate Paul, for reference, he looks crazy. He looks like if Uncle Vester got a hair transplant. It's a real jump scare. And in exchange for these political favors, Nate Paul donated tens of thousands of dollars to Paxton's campaign, some of which Paxton used to renovate his home. But what he also did was he asked Nate Paul, I'm pretty sure this is like definitely happened and is part of the articles of impeachment. Paxton had a mistress at this time, and he asked Nate Paul, Nate Paul for another favor, to hire that mistress at his office in the city of Austin, where they both worked, so that Ken Paxton wouldn't have to drive all the way to San Antonio. So just tons of corruption, tons of abuse of power, a lot of it centered on this Nate Paul guy. So Aides in the Texas Attorney General's office, also Republicans, they watched all of this go down and they publicly accused Paxton of bribery and abusing his office in 2020. After reporting their allegations to the FBI, those aides, they were all fired or they were mm -hmm. put on leave or resigned. So they since sued Ken Paxton for defamation. And recently they agreed to a $3 million settlement and like an apology and acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Where Paxton really fucked up here is that he wants Texans to foot the bill, and he asked the state legislature to approve $3 million in government funds to settle that case. And even the GOP-led chamber was like, no way. Get, get us the fuck out of this. And they launched an investigation that led to Ken Paxton's impeachment over the weekend. A reminder, Texas, GOP-controlled house. I mean, on the daily this morning, they were talking, I, I didn't know this, they were talking about how there are actually quite a few kind of interestingly moderate forces in that legislature. I don't know much about that. But anyway, he was impeached, Ken Paxton, on 20 articles of impeachment, 20 that span all types of corruption and abuse of power, including those related to the affair. Under state law, Paxton, Ken Paxton, is now temporarily suspended from his duties as attorney general of Texas until the completion of a Senate trial. That won't take place until like later this summer. And one of the people who is in the state Senate who will vote on his fate is State Senator Angela Paxton, who is his wife, and she will be voting on an article of impeachment that involves allegations of bribery connected to an extramarital affair. If you fuck around, <laughs> eventually you find out. Yeah. Even in Texas. <laughs> even with even as a Republican in Texas, yes. there is there there is a line that can be crossed. Mm -hmm. It's bigger, but yeah. Yeah. Well, grandiose narcissism. Is, <laughs> is that your diagnosis? Dr. Romini says, you never think you're going to get... Well, the thing is, you know, related to the hashtag scandal of it all, mm -hmm. 
these guys get away with so much and they don't just stop. Like, they're not like, you know what? I'm cheating on my wife. I'm spending a bunch of money. I'm going to chill. Like, this is it. They never are like, oh, you know what? I'm going to fire anybody who says any shit about me. No. They're like, you're also going to... Everyone's fucking taxes, which it's fucking Texas. They don't charge much tax. <laughs> There's not that much tax it's money. It's like half the state budget. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like they don't got that much taxes anyway. <laughs> and you want to use that. You want to use that to fucking pay off people that you fired because you were fucking up? You, that, that is the nothing. audacity. No, uh, nothing other than grandiose narcissism. <laughs> you really think that you're a fucking god. Title of and the you're app. never gonna get po- you're never gonna get fucking uh, caught, and it's out of you know. I'm. It's giving. I'm the eldest boy. It's giving. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, the eldest, eldest boy, boy, and you're not. You're and not you're the not. eldest boy. Mm-hmm. Connor's there. <laughs> and I'm really curious what exactly. And I'm really curious what Angela, Miss Angela Paxton, is gonna do because. She got her nice renovated house, though. <laughs> These are also the two drove. She drove him away in a getaway car when he was served papers related to this, I believe. Girl, if you live in Texas, you get the fucking uh, what, what are they called? Flip it, the magnolia. But you get those people to fucking that to fucking flip your house. You don't get your husband to pay be- from the side hoe or something. I don't know. Well, we wish Ken Paxton the absolute worst here. And finally, it is time to ask, are men okay? Uh, We spend a lot of time on this podcast discussing why people in their 70s and 80s insist on doing some of the hardest jobs in the world. We are generally referring to the job of leading nation states, but apparently we have learned this week that this might also be the case for fatherhood. In rapid succession, noted elderly men, Robert De Niro, age 79, and Al Pacino, age 83, announced their status as new parents. Al Pacino announced this week that he's expecting his fourth child with his 29-year-old girlfriend. Pacino's oldest child is four years older than his current girlfriend, who he has apparently been dating quietly since the pandemic. And this news came on the heels of Robert De Niro, again, 79, his revelation that he has become the father to his seventh child, this time with his partner, 45-year-old Tiffany Chen. De Niro's oldest daughter is 51. So she now, this 51-year-old daughter now has a newborn sister. Robert De Niro was asked to respond to the news of Al Pacino's forthcoming infant and said, what a guy, go Al, God bless him. So before we ask the question we ask every week, sometimes twice a week, which is, are men okay? I have a, a would you rather, would you rather have a baby <laughs> with Al Pacino or Robert De Niro? Mm. I think this is an easy question, but I don't know. Well, hold on a second, because Black Twitter last week, <laughs> like there's a section of Black Twitter that was eminently de- de- like debating mm. who was hotter, a young Al Pacino or a young Ro- uh, Robert De Niro. Right, we're, we're, okay, right. so I was talking talk young and old. Yeah, young and old. But now the answer is clear. It's Robert De Niro. See, I'm actually going Pacino, (laughs) and it has nothing to do with Scarface. Like an older man. uh, Okay, so Robert De Niro is currently in, like, court with his ex-wife, and she's trying to get more, whatever, like, child support payments. 
I'm not sure which one. I think got, it is. It is Grace Hightower. I, okay. She's trying to get more in the settlement mm-hmm. with him. So I actually don't know where De Niro's finances are standing at this time. Yeah. Um, and I do believe he has more children than Al Pacino. Doesn't De Niro have... Are we talking looks or are we talking money? Because we're you're talking, talking overall. To- I think we're talking overall. overall. I think okay. we're looking at this in a practical in scenario. In a current mm-hmm. day practical mm-hmm. point of view. Here's what yeah. I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm fucking an old man. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> There's an old man in my bed. I want him to be I want him to be richer. I want mm-hmm. him to be one no, that has less. He's got less, less to give baggage. out. He's got less people with claims to the estate. You know, De Niro's got nine kids. He's also got less time on. Uh, yeah, I'm just. Well, I guess. Yeah, true. I don't know what their health status exactly, is for yeah, either the of them. Well, They're probably both getting cryogenically frozen at the end of all this anyway. <laughs> but um, I'm going I'm going Pacino for practical reasons. Well, I'm just going based on how hot Robert De Niro looked in the intern, which ironically is how he met 45-year-old Tiffany Chen, was that she played the Tai Chi instructor in the mm. intern. Therefore, and he was looking good in that. He was looking good in the intern. So that's why I'm saying Robert De Niro, but also, yeah, but obviously he don't got it like Pacino does in terms of my, but you know what? Robert De Niro stay working. Robert De Niro's in a lot well, of because he's got. Well, that's what he, he has said in response kids. because he's got all the kids. And like, I think part of his argument, his lawyers are making in this lawsuit uh, or in this like legal battle for more money for his one of his wives is he's like, I'm an old man. I can't keep working like this. And it's like, well, sir, I'll do respect. You keep having more kids. Well, but I'm also that was interesting because it's like also go off having a newborn at fif- at 45 with a rich man. That's great. Yeah, that's well, dope. And like, I'm sorry, like 45 years old, there has to be some intention and planning behind that. Probably. And probably some money too. So whatever. Also, really quickly, it's Chip and Joanna Gaines. The, oh, the, okay. Yes, 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 yes. I was like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I know flippers. I could picture them in my head. I know. I know I said Jen. I, but I have to say, so you know, yes, the reference is that Ken Paxton absolutely don't they live in Texas? Absolutely, yeah, they should do. have they hired live in Rico. Chip and Joanna Gaines, who are no, I no, believe Angela like Paxton, Angela yeah, Paxton, yeah, right, to right, remodel right. her house. Hopefully, she gets a divorce, but she might not because she yeah. seems dumb. Okay, I looked it up. Also, I just googled, and Al Pacino has three children, okay. and now a fourth on the way. And De Niro, it is the estate's just divided into too many places mm. with Robert. If I'm, again, fucking an old man, I want less of a division of of assets. Well, and I will also say, apparently, not to be hashtag anti-feminist in the whole Taylor Swift, Maddie Healy discussing (laughs) what who women date of it all. But the woman that is with Al Pacino, she's what, like 29 She's dated Clint Eastwood. She's dated oh. tons of old guys. She's she's out here. So mm-hmm. she had her fucking eyes set, and I'm glad she secured the bag. Yeah. I mean, that kid, yeah, I just Googled Al Pacino Young, and uh, that's going to be a beautiful a beautiful fourth child for the for the 83-year-old. Imagine being 100 years old at your, at your, at your child's high school. Graduation. I mean, again, he's just going to be a floating head, just a frozen AI version uh, of himself for just most of his child's and life. Repeating lines from Scarface. 
it would it would be a little bit of a contentious relationship because my dad actually does not like Scarface. He thinks it portrays Cubans in a bad light. Wow, really? (laughs) The the thing about so it's your daddy issues is why you're going Pacino. Well, yeah, it'll it would definitely spark an issue with my dad, but I also think at the end of the day, my dad would ultimately be starstruck Mm. by like I think he could be won over even with the Scarface of it all. Mm -hmm. So if you'd ever hear that Al Pacino is expecting a fifth child, I encourage you to inquire about the reproductive status of our own Elise Morales. So, but finally to close it, um, are men okay? (laughs) I mean, in this sense, I think they're thriving. Yeah, we don't (laughs) like to police anybody's reproductive actions, so maybe they're fine. They're no, fine. I think they're not okay. Why? Are you, what are you doing with someone fucking fifty years? What is it? Maybe Se- it's their partners are not younger. okay. Yeah. Um, no, they know I'm, what they're doing. Everybody, you know, everybody has agency in this situation, which ultimately I think means that everybody is okay. Sure, everyone has agency, and there's nothing wrong about this, but there's also nothing right about this, and that's. <laughs> That is a perfect place to land. That is our show for today. Since we did so many voicemails on Monday, we'll be back with those next week. So if you didn't listen to that uh, episode from Monday, make sure you check it out. We covered a lot of really interesting and fun topics. That is our show for today. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.